8.14, following North Korean top official Kim Jong-chol's visits to Washington, in which he met with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and President Donald Trump, we have even more reason to expect the second US-North Korea summit by the end of February. And working-level talks are underway in Sweden to help smooth the way for a denuclearization breakthrough. Let's now welcome on the line Jenny Town, research analyst at Stimson Centre and managing editor and producer of 38 North. Good morning to you from Seoul. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. The original timeline we had from President Trump was uh, a suggestion of January or February for this summit. That's something we heard last year. Do you think near the end of February is realistic then? I mean, it seems so. They've been under discussion for a while. I think at this point, um, from what we understand, it's merely a matter of uh, deciding the actual city. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's within the time frame that they have been discussing. Um, so I think we're on track at the moment. President Trump has had quite a lot to say, including via Twitter, which I'll get to. But he told reporters initially that as far as denuclearization is concerned, there's been a lot of progress that has not been reported by the media. What, what might he be referring to, given that we often have to take some of his comments with a pinch of salt? <laughs> It is a good question, um, and I think it has us all guessing. Um, But certainly North Korea has indicated um, a willingness to take certain actions and to allow, you know, um, inspections, for instance, of the Pungiri nuclear test site, of, um, you know, uh, inspections of the Sohei satellite launching station, um, and the dismantlement activities that had been started there. Um, I would assume, you know, those negotiations are still ongoing and, you know, most likely they're still working on figuring out how to um, how to get the things that North Korea has already offered a willingness to do, um, such as the decommissioning of Yongbyon and, and perhaps other measures. I mean, President Trump, to, to sift through his Twitter feed right now is pretty challenging because you, you just have one post after another referring to this government shutdown and uh, the border wall and various other domestic issues, but particularly that one. But if you keep scrolling long enough, you, you get to that comment five hours ago, the media is not giving us credit for the tremendous progress we've made with North Korea. Think of where we were at the end of the Obama administration compared to now. Great meeting this week with top reps. Looking forward to meeting with Chairman Kim at the end of February. Um, and, and, you know, he's generally speaking with a lot of positivity. But we are going to, to, to fulfill that, have to see a compromise by someone. Which side is going to compromise? Or do you think both will have to? I, I mean, it's a negotiation. Both sides have to give. And, the, you know, certainly North Korea is not going to go down the denuclearization road unilaterally. Um, you know, this is this is a process. And that's why at the Singapore summit, you know, the one thing that did come out of that was, again, setting this broader framework for thinking about this issue. Um, so, you know, it has to deal with changing the nature of the U.S.-DPRK relationship itself, um, you know, building a peace regime, as well as working towards denuclearization. Um, so it's not just something that we should expect North Korea one day to, you know, just send us their nuclear weapons. That's not how this works. Like, mm. everything has to be negotiated. Everything has to be reciprocated. Um, and this is a process that we have to go down together and make those choices um, that, you know, we do have to give something to get something um, so that both sides 
you know, have mutual benefit from this arrangement. But North Korea did seem to move the goalposts, unless, of course, it was just toying with the US and the outside world, uh, when late last year, uh, it suggested denuclearization also includes uh, the American nuclear presence in this wider region. And that would be of great concern, because there's no way, is there, that uh, the US is going to even uh, include its own troop presence in South Korea as part of any deal, is there? Well, I wouldn't say they moved the goalposts. This is a, a position that they have stated in the past, as far back as 2016, as to part of the concept of denuclearization. Um, it's really dealing with the overall threat environment. And so that's why the changing of the US-DPRK relationship as part of a denuclearization process is so important. Because, you know, when they talk about security guarantees, they're not just talking about words on paper. Um, this has to involve uh, a process of trust building. We have to have, we have to be in a relationship of cooperation and trust in order for security guarantees to have any meaning. Um, and so, you know, the, the context of, you know, addressing the overall threat environment is really the, the point that needs to get across here as the end of the road. Like, we'll, you know, we'll get to the end of the denuclearization road when we've really addressed um, the overall threat. Uh, and that's going to take a while, and it's going to take a lot of effort. And, you know, yeah, there's going to be some difficult choices along the way. Um, but some of it, you know, still needs to be negotiated, and we're still a long way from that end goal. I just wonder whether we have to also temper our own expectations, though. And, you know, I appreciate North Korea has in the past taken a hard line, but denuclearization after the Singapore summit didn't feel like... Um, Chairman Kim had said to President Trump in that meeting that, oh, you know, by the way, you're going to have to take the, the nukes, your nuke presence away from the entire region. But but realistically, are, are either side going to actually remove their threat, given the nature of potentially hiding certain capabilities or given the potential, uh, you know, longer range options that the U.S. would have? North Korea is never really going to be totally safe from the U.S., well, that is the big question as to whether or not we can actually have that relationship. And we've never really been willing to do that in the past. Um, and and there is a huge question of what happens after, you know, this president. Um, and, you know, can enough be done to sustain an effort beyond a political transition in the United States or even in South Korea? Um, so that's why, like, neither side is going to take drastic measures too quickly because there isn't a relationship of trust right now. Um, and we do need to have these kind of smaller expectations, more practical expectations of what can be done to start to build a track record of success and start to build a track record of cooperation and start to build trust in order to get to those higher order issues. Um, and so, you know, yes, we're going to have a second summit. No, it's not going to come away with some comprehensive technical agreement. That's not what's going to happen. But if we can get a couple concrete steps that both sides have agreed to take in order to keep the process moving, um, as well as a commitment to keep negotiating along those lines, um, I think, you know, there's the, the summit itself will serve a very important purpose. I mean, the, the thing is, for us here in South Korea, we are in North Korea's firing line with or without nuclear weapons. And we are understandably here trying to build a relationship of 
of cooperation, of genuine trust, um, whether or not that can be achieved with the United States in the future. And just to go off on a slight tangent, the Japan standoff recently over that radar dispute, I never took seriously, I think most people didn't really take seriously the, the possibility that South Korea and Japan would suddenly have an actual conflict, a physical conflict, because there are just so many other economic interests uh, as well as political considerations. So what I'm suggesting is if we could build that kind of economic tie-in with North Korea and, and make many other factors dependent on the relationship, then, then that itself would be perhaps more of a protection than some denuclearization agreement which many people would fail to believe in. Yeah, I mean, there's many ways that we could be approaching this issue. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen the differences of, of where, what South Korea prioritizes versus what the U.S. prioritizes. And unfortunately for the U.S., the main priority um, for North Korea is really dealing with its nuclear weapons program. Um, is it, and this is part of the reason why negotiations in the past have always been so difficult and have always tended to fail because we're very kind of tunnel visioned of this. Um, but certainly, you know, this is what you see now with even the changing relationship or the repairing of relations with China, North Korea repairing relations with Russia, is that, you know, I think there is a lot of understanding that the more economic ties we have, the more leverage we actually have because, um, you know, North Korea has something to lose. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but it, but it becomes, you know, very difficult environment when there are so many sanctions on North Korea to be able to really develop that economic cooperation. And I think, you know, this is where we, this is what we need to negotiate is where are we going to allow for that space to open up in order to try and change that relationship um, and pull North Korea into a more um, normal arrangement and to, uh, and to have greater stakes in the international community. And just briefly, as far as we're aware, there are still talks going on between the sides in Sweden, South Korea perhaps mediating. We're not quite sure yet what's going to come out of these, but it suggests there's more to be done before we see Trump and Kim sit next to each other. Would you be surprised if if it all falls apart, like we've seen other talks involving Pompeo fall apart last year? Um, I would be surprised, actually, because I think both leaders are very committed to having this meeting, and so they're going to figure out, you know, what it takes to have it. Um, and But they also both need to walk away with something concrete, and I think you'll see a lot of this engagement over the next month as we move into this to make sure that they have very clear expectations um, and clear understanding of, of what they can, you know, uh, of, of what the outcome of this meeting is going to be to make sure that they can sell it back home in both Seoul and, or in both Pyongyang and Washington. Jenny Town of the Simpson Center, managing editor and producer of 38 North, thank you so much for joining us today.